What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. My name is Mike. My name's Kason. So, last week I said we were going to talk about, like, voice acting this week. And that was in response to people pushing back on me on a certain thing a while back. Now we got people really pushing back on us from last week's podcast, which has given me a lot of stuff to sort of talk about and <sighs> contemplate for this week. Uh, stuff yeah. that I just felt like I couldn't ignore. I could. It's not just something yeah. I feel like I can just let it go and be like, whatever, we disagree. It's 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 Because that's happened in the past, right? We've had podcasts where people really didn't like what we had to say about something. And people say, hey, man, what about this? They're bringing up counterpoints. They're saying this, this, this. And it's like, okay, I'm going to go watch the entire... I don't know what it was, eight seasons of Tudors now to see what Henry Cavill is like in a more medieval <laughs> setting so that I can get an idea of what he could do with Geralt. I, I mean, I'm willing to go like that far to like consider another person's perspective. I've changed my mind on a bunch of my Final Fantasy reviews and re-released them right. and changed what I said because in them of because feedback. of fan feedback. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of times on the podcast where we've come back and said, hey, like this, this. Yeah. Um, I think even for a lot of what went on last week regarding the Tokyo Mirage sessions dis- discussion, <laughs> right. there's there's a part of me that kind of wants to try the game out now because uh, people are saying it's not about the idol culture. It's about the um, the music industry in general, and it's it's much sure. more of the the sort of turn-based yeah, the dungeon-crawling thing than you that think it is. That did kind of get me a little bit. They were saying that the battling is a lot of fun in that game, and you just don't get that as much from the trailer. You just see yeah. the freaking pop idols singing on stage, and then a monster comes up, and they got to fight the monster on stage in front of everyone. But then apparently there's a really complex battle system there. So I that's that's cool. That was good to uh, learn from our, from our uh, viewers. So <clears throat> all of that said... <laughs> When it comes to the Xenoblade art discussion from last week, um, I, I I do not feel that way about how we were being pushed back on. Not just us, though. It wasn't just like how people were responding to what we said. I've seen it on Twitter and other places online, too. The way people are responding to those who have objections concerning this change of art direction for the characters has been... And, and I, I, I want to clarify, I'm not calling anyone out in particular, right? I'm not, like, mad at anybody in the audience. Right. I feel that the art, the methods of argumentation being used against me in the comments section last week and online in this discussion in general are pretty disingenuous. And you're, it seems like people are upset that maybe I don't like certain things that you like and and you you take that personally to some degree and so you're using arguments that i didn't make things i didn't say and you're trying to tear those things down as if that's the point i'm making and you're ignoring all the points that i did make so i was a little bit disappointed by that and i wanted to use a little bit of what uh, we're going to be talking about today to respond and clarify um on some of those points um so let's just uh, get right into it and, and and stop building up to it, I guess. Okay. So a, a lot. Let me let me actually. I should have done this beforehand. I'm going to pull something up on Twitter that I think summarizes kind of what I'm talking about pretty well. Here it is. Okay. So this I don't know who this guy is. 
uh, Storm Yorha. I don't follow this um, account. He puts in quotes, Man, I hate how Xenoblade 2 ruined the franchise's direction. Now even the remake is anime trash. Right? So he's... This always bothers me when you put something in quotes, but you're not actually but it's quoting not a quote. yeah. what someone Twitter, said. Twitter is freaking infamous for that. I, I hate that. And I just want to yeah. say, people, please... For the sake of like uh, amicable discourse, do not do that. Do not quote somebody, but then change it into and then, a straw man, which is not what anybody's saying, but it's an easy target to try and make it look foolish, right? So if this is what people were saying, then that would be ridiculous. And Storm Yorha knows that, which is why he's going to counter it with this, I should probably give this to you, Kason, so that you see what sure. I'm looking at. Hopefully it won't crap your internet out trying to share a link. <laughs> well, link's there fine. It is. There <laughs> it is, right? But your, your internet's holding up really good right now, so okay. I don't want to jinx it. Okay. This is the sentiment that I'm, I'm getting even from our video. Is people saying, lol, like, um, that's retarded. Xenoblade and Xeno in general has always been anime. It's been an anime aesthetic. Like, what are you talking about? Um, we never said anything about Xenoblade 1 not being anime last week. It clearly is. Final Fantasy yeah. 7 is clearly anime. I mean, come on. Yes. <laughs> it, uh, obviously, it Chrono is. Chrono Trigger is clearly anime. That was our favorite game yeah we don't have a problem with the art style well it's not even art style you're talking about like a whole sub genre when you say anime you're saying a whole genre a whole like a whole anime is not one thing it's it's there's many many not different styles <laughs> within it right yeah it's true so but that's not even the major objective or, or objection that i have right we talked about it being more moe bubbly cutesy that sort of thing right changing it from this style of anime into this style of anime and i i i'll lead off again by saying that there's nothing wrong with moe as a style i don't personally enjoy it but i'm not saying there's anything wrong with anyone else who does it's it's not an inherently bad thing what I think the words we used are it's a cheaper style and I, I even I even qualified that by saying it what I mean by that is it's it's less expensive. It's inexpensive to produce yes. because there's less detail. You can create the art faster. Yeah. You're not using actual textures a lot of times you're just you're just right. using the uh, general shader instead and, of the anyways. It's just yeah. it's cheaper to produce. And understand that this is part of the reason why it has become so saturated and popular in anime well, hold today. On, hold on, real quick. Can I say something? Because yes, um, there's somebody in the uh, comment section says, "Mike, you went on a long rant about how '90s games weren't anime influenced last week." You didn't. No, say I that. didn't. I didn't. No, See, this, modern, this is exactly this, what I'm this same about. person also said. Other than the word trash, that's pretty much pretty much an exact quote from you last week. I think here in the comment section is kind of exemplifying the type of dis dis 
that's totally disingenuous in an argument that's like when you say it's pretty much an exact quote you're saying it's not an exact quote it's what you heard and it's not what they said and then when you say something like mike went on a long rant about how 90s games weren't anime influenced holy are you kidding me i didn't say that i was there the entire time i didn't say that at all at all not even close Anyways, it is it's just kind of ridiculous. Like and this you're is being this pretty, is you're being pretty ungenuine and pretty. Um. Anyways, that's just kind of this is a this good is, example here of the kind of thing Mike's responding to. This is why I was so disappointed. Yeah. Like this is and this is what I'm talking. This is why I tried to bring up that I've tried in the past to really like internalize the response from the audience and 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 uh, say you know am I wrong about this and and I'd go and look at the things people are talking about, but you the the response last week is completely off base with what i said you people are arguing against a straw man an argument i never made i never said anything like that i never said anything about how 90s games weren't anime influenced i never ever ever said that yeah, freaking akira freaking toriyama right he made chrono trigger and we or he didn't make it he did the art for chrono, chrono trigger and we've known that for freaking like decades at this point. So obviously we know that that that's clearly anime influence. That's the guy who made Dragon Ball Z and he helped make Chrono Trigger. Yeah, we get it. It's anime influence. Well, I think somebody else said that the style of anime has kind of changed from nineties to today from Cowboy Bebop to, I don't yeah. know, uh, Sword Art Online. Like you that, can't tell me that there hasn't been a, a big shift in what's popular from the nineties to today. There, yeah. there has been. And the more modern stuff is less fun, but it's got its own kind of appeal to it. And it's fine. It's just not what, you know, it's not, we don't think it's as good, but you know, it's, it's still fine. It's still got its merits. So, okay. So I'm glad that this happened because this is exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. I, I have a chance to actually respond live to someone saying that I said something I did not say. I, I just didn't say that. I mean, and, and yeah, okay. It's but a great before, example. <laughs> before, before well, we I, couldn't have planned that <laughs> before. It sounds like I'm dogpiling on somebody in particular. I don't want to do that. I, I want to use this as an opportunity to try and unify a bit on this because I, I'm not here to just defend myself and tell everybody you're wrong for being mad at me or whatever. Um, I, I chocolate Rob who, uh, is who I talk to on pretty close to a daily basis during the week because we have the the streams for the um uh the ten dollar patrons. He 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 said something that really struck me when when I heard it. I think and now now I'm summarizing myself because I don't even remember my own direct quote. But I said something like uh they're pandering to the otaku culture weeb types or something in that ballpark. And he said that's probably not a winning line. Um, and I, I do agree. That, that sounds very derogatory. Um, sure. And, yeah, and sure. I want to amend that and say, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, and I don't really believe that people who fit <clears throat> into that culture, who enjoy that, are losers or, or, or weird or wrong or whatever for believing that. And I think that saying what that in particular sort of got a rise out of people who identify in, in that culture and, and they were, they felt as if I was 
telling them that they're stupid or wrong or, or weird or losers or something. And so right. I feel like the pushback is in response to that, not really in response to any of the, the major points I was making last week. So I, I do want to apologize. For, sure. I want to apologize for putting it that way. And I want to just clarify, I don't think there's anything wrong if you're into moe, otaku, waifu, like all this stuff that I tend to criticize a lot. If you like that stuff, there's nothing wrong with liking that. There's nothing wrong with being into that. So it's just that I'm not into it. And I see it permeating the industry to such a degree that what I did like I'm finding it more difficult to find now. And I don't like to see elements of that crossing into the things that, that I liked before. Um, so that's, let's put that aside for a second and, and get back to uh, this tweet here, right? So what Storm Yorha said, man, I hate how Xenoblade 2 ruined the franchise's direction. Now even the remake is anime trash. Uh, he shares an example from like a, an interview where they were talking about how they wanted Xenoblade 1 to be like a shonen anime, essentially, right? That was kind of like what they were going for. Um, we have Heon here who's responding to that, saying that's a pretty disingenuous take. Nobody who says the game looks too anime is actually referring to anime, period. They're referring to that rounded, bubbly style of anime that you see in shows like Sword Art Online and the tropes that usually come associated with it. Um, and so that response is is getting at the heart of, of what I want to talk about, right? So I'm pulling up this first uh, example of some art here. Uh, I sent it to you as well, Kazen. Okay. I also want to say I don't think anybody is intentionally disingenuous. I think that when we feel like somebody is um, attacking something that we like, uh, whether that's a culture or a set of beliefs or just something in general that we find joy in and we see somebody attacking it, it feels like that person is attacking our taste or our morality or our ideology or whatever it is, right? And sometimes it is an attack on a personal attack, like you're a bad person if you if you like this or if you believe this. Sometimes it's just a discussion about, you know, what are the merits of this thing? And so working through the mire of emotions that build up through when that happens is really, really tough. We are, you know, this is, this is, um, I mean, like a whole, a whole freaking like theme that I'm sort of exploring in the novels that I'm writing this intense level of tribalism and not, not just how it exists, but how it's like an innate part of who we are. It's almost like biological, the way that we as people, uh, feel a need to join a team and for that team to be right and to win and dominate the other teams who are in opposition ideologically to us. Um, and, and anyways, how that informs the way that we talk to each other about some of this stuff, right? So I definitely don't hold it against people. I'm not like m mad at anyone uh, I, I, or anything like that. 
I just want to use this to clarify because I felt that a lot of the things being said to me last week fell under this emotionally charged and I'll, instead of using the word disingenuous, I'll say it was not an actual fair account of what the, the point was that I was making at all. It, it's totally off base from what I was saying. Okay, so we have this art in front of us, right? On the left is what was close to the popular style of anime and manga in the 80s and 90s. Um, you saw it in Sailor Moon. You saw it in... in initial D... Yeah, uh, a lot um, a lot of anime had that kind of look on the left. And today you have more, it's, what's, what's more saturated is the image on the right. Um, two key things to take from this. And again, this is a general statement. I'm not, I'm not making any like um, sweeping statement. This is why I say not all all the time, because if I don't say not all, mm -hmm. like last week, <laughs> people start thinking I'm saying all immediately. Right, and then they'll take one little clip, and even if it might be a quote, it's disingenuous in the way that it's being used. Right. Yeah. So this is just in general, the way the industry is moving, right? Eyes were already big in the past. They've made them, I don't know if you want to say two times the size, but it's approaching that. Yeah, <laughs> eyes are a lot bigger even than the big eyes that anime is known for from its inception. Yeah. Uh, you see that the the details like the the lips and the nose are far sh more shrunk down. Yeah, they're even smaller and less um, detailed to draw your eye into the to the eye, which has incredibly higher amounts of detail. Like all the detail in the, the art on the right is in the eye. They really want you to look at the eye. They've made the eye bigger and the other facial features smaller. Now, two things happen when you do this, because this is true of just, you look at the developmental stages of a human being. When you're a baby, your head is large, your body is small. Your eyes are big. The other facial features like your nose and your ears, they're very small. And, and the cartilage in your nose and your ears doesn't ever stop growing those things get larger your whole life yeah that's why old people have big ears and long noses yeah so yeah. an old person the way that they draw an old person is with smaller eyes and larger facial features like nose and ears and mouth yeah. because that in that will make the eyes look smaller it will make them look older when you're drawing a younger person you want bigger eyes and smaller features so this makes characters look inherently just by this single choice of wanting you to really look at that eye and, and uh, not focus so much on these other things. It makes the character look really young. So the character on the left is, I mean, I, you know, maybe looks like somewhere between 18 and 25. Character on the right looks like something 10 to 15 at the most, right? And this is just a byproduct yeah. of the style. The style has shifted this way. And getting back yeah, to... Things, I, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. No, that's it. Just people look younger. I think yeah. I have a delay again, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little better now. Um, so that being established, right? Say that one more time. The, the other, I said that being established. The other thing that this, this is kind of like a win-win situation for 
um, the companies that that are that are producing anime in this more of this style now. Why this style has become really popular? It is. I'll I'll use the word inexpensive. It is more inexpensive to produce this because they are not doing as much detail. You can draw it and animate it and uh, and everything else much more quickly than a style that has tons of detail um, in the clothing and in the faces and and more realistic shading and lighting and and all this sort of thing. Right? It's it's much it's much more inexpensive and much more quick to produce art like that. Now, that's a win for the studio, obviously, because they can produce more anime or more episodes or make it quicker or uh, whatever it may be. But at the same time, it's also really popular. People really like it. So because it's really liked, really well liked, and because it's inexpensive to produce, it's blown up. It has permeated and saturated anime and manga like crazy because the audience likes it and it's inexpensive at the same time. And the companies are like, awesome. Like this makes our job a lot easier, right? So that's what I meant when I said it was cheap is that it was inexpensive and it it lacks detail. They really want you to focus on the eyes. And so they put everything there and everything else is is a bit washed. Um, I will show you some examples of this. Here we have uh, the next image I sent to you, Kason. Very flat, what we're looking at here. There's not a lot of shadows. There's there's not a lot of um, dynamic uh, color, right? Like their faces are one flat color, which is never the case on a human face. The way that light interacts with the face... There, it creates all kinds of different types of shadows depending on the tip, the type of light that's coming in. There's there's almost no wrinkles in their clothes. It's all just kind of one flat color. Their hair is the same way. They have some line work, a little bit, but it's like under their eyes. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's very flat. It's not dynamic. There's not a lot of contrast, and there's not a lot of detail. Creating this image would not take very long for a professional artist. Okay, and and that, again, is why it's the fact that this is that people like it and it's popular. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm not saying that you're wrong for liking this. If you like this, that's fine. That's a value judgment. I'm not making a value judgment. I'm saying that this is easier, quicker and more inexpensive to produce. And don't pull this up yet, Case, and I'm just going to do it on my own than this art. You see the different gradients in color in the skin, in his face here. You see the level of detail in the clothing. And, and the, the color values. All in the hair and in the face and on this book and everywhere else. Okay. This, this is not something we can argue. I mean, I'm not, I'm not making value judgments. I'm not telling you one is better than the other. I'm telling you that they are different in this way. This is this is not really an objectionable point. Before I move on, has anyone said in something in the comments we should respond to? Um, there's been a lot of comments, uh, nothing crazy, but there was one uh, dude McGuy said, "E well, I mean, this is this isn't what you're talking about right now. This is to what we were talking about maybe ten minutes ago. Okay. He was saying people are just very emotionally invested in what they like slash dislike. So with that in mind, 
you know, how we phrase things is important, whatever. Otherwise, people on the other side will get hung up on one little thing despite everything else that you say. Um, but I thought, you know, other than that, I mean, there's been a, just a ton of comments. <laughs> and okay. most of it's... Um, and modern... About, yeah. He just said something that is a good point to bring up. I definitely agree with your overall point here, but Kyoto Animation is a bad example because while that image looks cheap, the animation in motion was really advanced for its time. So that is also, again, all things fall on a spectrum, right? So Yeah, hashtag not all. <laughs> hashtag not all. But you sometimes... Just have to, you just have to say that over and over and over. Sometimes you, depending on, you know, you're going to have a director there who knows what deadlines are and knows how much time they have to do this. And all the choices they make are going to be based on that. This is a business after all, right? Sure. Yeah. So exactly. sometimes they will sacrifice detail for the ability to create a really fancy or advanced animation, right? So I don't know anything about this this anime I'm looking at. The, the I'm on the picture of the four girls case, and I don't know if you're still in the same image as I am. Okay. Well, uh, I actually had something I wanted to bring up. Oh, go for it. A little bit. So, the... as soon as he wants to say it, we lose him. Hold on, Case, and we lost you. You just got frozen. Um. Okay. So, anyways, I don't know anything about this anime. I've never seen it before. All I, all I did was search for the the art style I'm talking about. Right. Um. And so, yeah, like I'm saying, things are going to fall on a spectrum. I'm not, I'm not making any sweeping generalization, or I'm not, I'm not saying anything about this particular anime. I'm not making a generalization about this or how this was produced. I'm saying that this type of style has become very popular today, and for the reasons I, I believe that I've listed, that's why we're seeing it. If anyone is in uh if anyone is in the industry uh and and knows about how this goes on behind the scenes feel free to counter my points uh case in your back go ahead with what you're gonna say okay uh i can't i don't even know what you guys got right i was talking about kimi no nawa you right? barely started i didn't even hear that part okay so it's, the anime is called your name and it's it's some of the best animation I've ever seen in my life. It's incredibly, incredibly well done. Super, super, super well done. But the character designs still do follow this trend of their faces look more simple than maybe anime had, did in like the 80s, 90s or something like that. Um, but that being said, it's still incredibly good, very um, like powerful, very well done, very good animation. Um, but it is following the trends of where anime's kind of been going, generally speaking. And it did what I would say is an incredibly good treatment of the more simplistic um, art style that kind of what you showed before when you showed the two characters side by side yeah. with like the split screen comparison. It's more the one on the right, not the one on the left, right? If that makes any sure. sense. But sure. um, it's still extremely, extremely, extremely well done. Uh, but I, I, if, you know, I but anime has always been about kind of trying to save money in some ways. So even looking at the older anime, it's like the the way that anime kind of came about was using as few frames to you know move the mouth or to kind of you know convey your message as possible. And so mm -hmm. you know you don't want to be too harsh on that angle because that is what anime has been doing for a long time. American cartoons do it too, um, but it is the trend. The trend is to have the faces look uh, more simple and and you know 
uh, less detailed, even in an incredibly detailed anime like Your Name, they still kind of go with the trendy look that is that is current. So I just kind of sure. want to bring that up. That's a really good movie, by the way. So like what Mike is saying and what I'm saying aren't necessarily that it's bad. Like no one's saying it's bad. It's just, it's different. And maybe you don't like the style. It's, it's a critique of art. It's not so much um, a like definitive statement on whose opinion is better. Yeah. <laughs> Cause your name is so good. It's such a good movie. And the animation is so top notch, but it's still followed this trend of the more simplistic faces and the characters look really young. I don't know how old they were necessarily in your name. They were young. They were in high school. Um, but you know, that that's just kind of the the way that things are looking to go right now. So there was a an anime that you suggested I watch called Into the Abyss, I think. Yes, Made um, in Abyss. Made in Abyss. That this, is, that, but, but anyone would have to admit that that's an extreme example in this case because clearly they were going out of their way to over chibi the, well, the yeah. character design. I, I was going to say that they almost yeah. used the art <laughs> style as a bait and switch for the content of the show, right? And I exactly, even said, which I thought was pretty cool. I even said last week, it's not like it's impossible to have an art style like the one I'm looking at on the screen right now, but have a show, the type of content, not be tropey, not be, um, you know, like kind of uh, filled with this fan service and, and the sort of things that you get in a lot of uh, otaku anime. It's possible to do that. That would be one example. Uh, again, I, I feel like this is why I have to say not all because you can find um, an exemption to the to the rule in anything we talk about. You can find one or two examples to the contrary. I'm talking about just the the way the industry is moving as a whole, the average, right? So this is kind of yeah. a general statement that I'm making now. So we're, um, it, it's I think the critique is more of trends. It's it's yes. not of specific things or oh there's but it's just like the trend of this, this style of anime it's starting it's going up and the anime style that maybe we'd appreciate a little more it, the trend is it's going down and you know that just sucks but it's life right yeah um okay so are there any comments uh miss when i was saying that there were some good uh comments that we should respond to um point me point me in the direction i so many i don't have time to look at everything i need to move on to kind of the next thing but if there is something specifically you want me to respond to uh tag me and put it in a quote or something so that i can take a look at it if you think it's really um important for the discussion please feel free to share it again okay so um here is another example of just like how extreme the kind of moe blob style can get if you move to the next image. Very this very bubbly. Um, you, you see how they they even use a filter here, a, a, a smoothing slash. Um, it's almost like it's a vignette with uh, the the corners of the image are out of focus, right? So it it just gives it this kind of washed, um, flat kind of look without a lot of detail. Because again, they really want you to hone in on those eyes. The, the vignette, the the um, out of focus vignette, they're really pushing your eye into the the eyes of the three characters, and so it creates this cute bubbly feel to it. And this is obviously an extreme example, but this kind of thing is permeating 
anime culture now more than it did when I was growing up in the 90s. Okay. So I'm not saying anything about 90s JRPGs not being anime inspired. It's I mean that that would be that would be ridiculous. If I had made that point, that would be a stupid thing to say. I'm not saying that. I'm <laughs> saying that anime was different back then too. And it looked more like this. Here is a concept art of Ellie from Xenogears. A concept art of Faye from Xenogears. Concept art of uh, Bart from Xenogears. These three Xenogears characters. This is a pretty good example of the type of look that was more popular in anime back then. So it's more detailed, right? The the characters' facial features aren't quite so insanely, um, what do you call it? Uh, exaggerated with the the small noses and the small mouths and the small ears and the huge eyes. Um, and and this is now I am making a value judgment. This is a subjective opinion coming up. I appreciate this style of art a lot more than I appreciate this style of art. That's a value judgment. I'm not telling you you're wrong if you like this more. I'm saying that this is what I like, and the games that I grew up with were more like this. So, uh, this now, now, this is moving into another thing that people were kind of using to argue against the points I was making. They were saying that the uh, where is it? Here's the the style of the new character for um, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. They were saying that the the guy who designed these new versions of the characters is the same guy who designed this. So they brought back the same person. He's back at Monolith now doing designs again. So if I'm if I like Xenogears then I should be okay with this. That was one of the things that I, I saw more than once in the comments section. It's the same guy, so if you're cool with this, you should be cool with this. Um, someone had brought up a point earlier about the music industry. That is something I do want to go back and look at real quick because uh, that's leading into this point I'm going to make right now. I think it came from... Uh, where was it? He was making a point about like classical music and how it's gotten less and less detailed. Okay, I think it comes from Monafo two seven zero. Yeah, this is almost the same discussion you can have for musicians: which is superior, Beethoven or Trap? The level of complexity has very obviously declined over decades. However, trap music serves a purpose, as does classical. So, what is the right answer? So if we're going to make a value judgment about uh, if we're going to make a value judgment about what's better, obviously no one can come up with the right answer to that. But I think what we can say for sure as an objective statement is that the the level of detail in the art has declined. I appreciate art with lots more detail that takes longer to produce, that um, is more beautiful. In, in my opinion, um, that, that takes into account how light 
interacts with objects and and is able to sort of like reproduce that in a way that is um just really really appealing to me right i appreciate that very much and this art is not going for that it's trying to make you i guess feel something about the cuteness like you know uh, when you see something really cute a, a dog or a little kitten or something like that there's a response an emotional response you have to that and maybe this is created to produce that and people like feeling that way right there's value in that i'm not saying that there's no value in that i'm saying that it's a different thing and some like i don't go crazy when i see little dogs and kittens though like i i i know other people who do and they and they love animals and they want to be around animals and you know it's it's not it's not something i value as much as them so it makes sense to me that i would value this less than this right um anyways but getting back to the in the discussion about music the other thing is that a lot of times musicians or bands that you liked growing up they change their style a lot over time um case and you've probably experienced this right like a band that you really liked in high school and like they release an album this year and it's like dude this is this is not why i liked this band <laughs> Yeah, all the time. You know, did you know Def Leppard is still Are you serious? out albums? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and could you guess they're nothing like Pyromania or any of oh, those no like way. Old, really? early eighties? They're nothing like it. It's, it's not the like, same exact music as it used to be. <laughs> well, okay, now the the singer's getting older, and I, I like I, I can see some of it. Not to mention the drummer uh, has lost his arm since Pyromania, uh, so maybe there's a difference in his style there. But I'm just saying, like. A lot of the stuff I listened to back when I was younger, it changed. Like Nightwish, this is a good example. Nightwish, one of my favorite bands, actually. Um, they changed so much. Holy cow. Like in the 90s, they had that opera singer, Talia. Mm-hmm. And then they got some super poppy, evanescent sounding singer. And the music was still cool, but it was different. And they came up with a new album. Now they have a, they're on their third. They have a new girl now, like a new, new singer. And I don't even, I don't even listen to them anymore. I just listen to their old stuff because that's what I was into. Uh, Greg Troyan, who's going to be on the show later, he's in a in a in a band that models their music after kind of that age of music, right? Uh, he's saying here, Hysteria was recorded after he lost his arm, and the Sonics are very similar. Okay, so the drummer, he, it didn't sound all that different. That's true because Pour Some Sugar on Me was was on Hysteria, and that was after he had lost his arm. So yeah, it sounds it's, it doesn't sound all that different from when he had two arms. Which... Uh, and then we have Miss Monet up here. I think the childlike anime style of Moe is more on point with the childlike nature of most millennials. I feel like millennial generation has a deep love and appreciation for their childhood nostalgia. They relish in youthfulness. There there might be a good point in there. I think that that's more universal than just being a millennial thing. And that's actually going to be part of the larger point <laughs> of today's podcast about getting older, right? I swear I'm a very long-winded person, and I, I apologize for that. Sometimes it takes forever for me to like arrive at a point. But if you stick with it, all of this that I'm talking about right now is going to relate to the idea of getting older. <laughs> okay. It's true. Um, uh, someone brought up Metallica. Dude, Metallica sounds so different now than, yeah. than the 80s. Casho uh, <laughs> Gladio says, Is Mike aware of the process by which the Xenoblade character or characters were made? Not a gotcha or anything. I'm just wondering. Yeah, so the fact that they, they created the models first and then they had the artist come in later. Is that what you're referring to? Um, I I don't think that that changes my overall point, which I will arrive at shortly. Um, okay, so we've gotten through the Xenogear stuff. Now, um, 
if you look at Xenosaga in comparison to Xenogears, which is the Xion, uh, I'm on the Xion uh, link now, okay, so in the character name from uh, Xenosaga 1, Episode 1. Now, you see how these art styles are similar, like, especially in the way it's colored. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, there's, there's almost, I don't know what you'd call it. I, I don't know like the technical term for it, but there's a, a lack of smoothness in the color gradients in the clothing, right? That is common yeah. across both things. It, it looks more like it's hand colored than, no, uh, sure, sure. digitally colored. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Right. So like that is shared across them. There's a lot of similarities between these two, but notice the minimizing of certain facial details and the enlarging of eyes. It, it, it's, not, it's not like super, super intense like the freaking bubbly moe I've been showing on this the whole time. It's not this. <laughs> it's a subtle shift in that direction, right? And a lot of people were saying, well, oh, you liked Xenosaga. I want to respond to that. I haven't freaking played Xenosaga, so I don't know why people think I love Xenosaga for some oh. reason. Um, I've played about two hours of episode one, and one of the things I didn't like was the 3D interpretation of this particular art. I, I don't really care for uh, the art here. And and I know it's subtly different, but it is different enough in my estimation from Xenogears to where I could say I much prefer the Xenogears art to the Xenosaga art. Okay, uh, so we see that a person's style can evolve over time. We've made that point, right? So just because I liked this back then doesn't mean I'm going to like this necessarily. Even if they share some similarities, there are differences. The art style has evolved. It's not quite the same thing. Um, okay, now we're getting up to Xenoblade 1's character art. And, and I've already shown this a little bit a few, a few minutes back, showing the, the amount of uh, uh, color value in like the skin tones. Like, look at his hand, look at all the different colors and the shading and, and, and everything and detail in the skin tones, in the hair. Look how many color values there are in this hair, uh, the line work. Um, and the, the look at the nose, right? He, he actually has one <laughs> in comparison to a lot of anime where they kind of just, uh, it's like an, a nose is like an afterthought, right? It's just it's like, like a, a little, tiny dot. little triangle. Like, here we go. I brought up this image from earlier. They all have little tiny dots for noses. Um, here, kind of the same thing. You see how they at least have some semblance of shading here to indicate that there's a nose. And here it's like barely there. Okay. There are there are big differences. This is still anime. I'm looking at the, the original Shulk design here. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with anime. This is still anime. It's just far more detailed than the common mainstream anime. And to me, I make an association with that to what Xenoblade 1 represented to me, which was it was a super passionately made, detailed game in all the areas I care about personally. The way the storytelling is delivered, how they choose to focus in their writing and in their character building and then their world building and all of this stuff that goes into delivering and telling a very great story is is mirrored in the level of detail in this artwork not just in the character but in the environments 
and everything else. The art book is beautiful. If you have not seen the artwork, do I have it? Maybe I have a, nah, a FF15 thing on my on my uh, backdrop right now. But um, anyways, I have a lot of Xenoblade artwork on my desktop background that, that uh, cycles. So I made an association, or I make an association with art that is super detailed, difficult to produce, um, very passionately made, and a game which had all of those same features in uh, across the board there in its storytelling and its characters. It still is a very shonen anime type storyline, but it's not really that either. It's just a, it's a fantasy story. You know, having your hometown raided at the beginning, uh, you know, it, it's the hero's journey and it permeates a lot of JRPGs and a lot of fantasy work in general. Um, but the way that they went about it was unique and was detailed in a similar way to the way this character is detailed here. Okay. So to me, it, it felt like a beacon at, at a time when JRPGs had a lull. There just weren't as many really excellently made JRPGs as there had been in the past. So this game felt like that. And, and I really, 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 really like this art. Um, now we look at the way Shulk was designed for Xenoblade 2. Okay. Um, again, this is not necessarily Moe. There's tons more detail in the clothing um uh, color values in the hair this is this is not this side of the spectrum i'm not saying that it is all i'm saying is it's pushed in that direction and uh i i personally like this better i felt like this is part of what made xenoblade unique to begin with was this look to it so that's not my only problem with xenoblade 2 but the, the art direction was the first thing I saw when they announced Xenoblade 2. And I thought, oh man, they're, they're going for this instead of this. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Now, the next image is the new version of Shulk. And of course, it's not this far over to one side of the spectrum. Uh, it, it, a lot of people point out it looks more like the Smash Brothers version of the character. I, I noticed yeah. that as well. But what you can see is the distinct lack of detail in the clothing, in the color value of the face, and in the hair. Hair, not as much, but mostly face and skin tone and uh, detail in the clothing. And on top of all of that, it's not even about a value judgment of which art is better than the other. It's, it's really more about why are you changing or altering a piece of art from the past to, to for what reason is it being done? Uh, some people are pointing out that you're this, some of this is like a, mo like a character model with like the shading is being done. So people are saying that this is not hand drawn. People are saying that this version of Shulk from definitive edition is not, uh, character they're saying that that's a, a model like a 3d model right um, um i believe the one on the right the one from nintendoworldreport.com is that what you're looking at yeah yeah i believe that's what they're saying i could be wrong though because i'm kind of out of this um, conversation a little bit but... because i mean this is the image they released when they say take a look at the updated um 
the updated looks for Shulk and Fiora in Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, right? Um, in any case, this is still just a... Even if it is a 3D model, I don't think it takes away from the point, right? Uh, wait a minute. Right, it's still the way you, things look and are presented. The Wii was an extremely, extremely limited console, right? Hardware-wise. They tried... Well, it actually was reversed. A reverse process, as someone brought up in the comments. Um... They they made their character models first, and then they had a guy come in and do art like this based on the character model. So they designed the character models in 3D, and then an artist came in and did it. My point is, is that the look between the two is at least attempting unity, <laughs> right? And I would assume this is the same way. Like, they have they have adjusted this character's features, especially in the face, to make him look younger. And I think it's it's even more clear in the image I shared in the last podcast where we actually have a screenshot of the character above and below. So we have him lying in the grass looking at the dragonfly. He looks oh, yeah. he looks very, very, very young. And again, this goes back to my point about how emphasizing the large eyes, de-emphasizing other facial features makes characters look younger. Shulk looks much younger to me in the new version than the old version. Again, that's not the point Really, though, somebody brought it up earlier. I'm going to scroll up and try to find it again. Because uh, there's a comment that I've got. Go ahead and respond to it while I look for this. Uh, well, it might be the same one, but it's from Riker's Beard. Riker's Beard has actually been saying a lot of uh, useful things. He's also been making some jokes, but ignore those. <laughs> so Riker's Beard uh, had a comment that I found uh, very interesting because... I think that in some ways, at least, this may not be necessarily true for you, Mike, but it's certainly true for me. When it comes, when I need to defend my position in terms of today's anime versus 90s anime, um, I I don't actually know exactly how to do it. I just know that for whatever reason, I'm just not into newer stuff anymore the way that I was into the older stuff. And some of it's my age, some of it's, you know, when that other stuff came out, some of it's the way the art style looks. There's a lot of different reasons for it. Um, but Riker's beard says the art style is a red flag, so to speak of potential cut corners and comfortable, uncomfortable pandering. There is also the element of post ironic internet culture and anime fandom, which, uh, being so intertwined that leads to what I feel like Mike and Kaysen are just dancing around the point. I think the art style itself is irrelevant. This whole conversation feels like Mike and Kaysen are missing the forest for the trees, but I can't say, I can't think of any way to articulate this without going on a three page essay of a rant. And then somebody responded to him saying that basically it's, it's a market, it's a marketing point in Japan to uh, sell your characters from an anime studio in a way that like you want to make your characters in a way that your consumer base feels attracted to them in whatever way, right? Well, in a sexual way, generally speaking, but for the girl characters at least. Um, and it's a point of marketing that has kind of been exploited in Japan to that has bled, leaked itself into kind of the culture that, but I don't know if we want to get into criticizing the culture of anime because that's that, that what I really would have to check out. I just don't know. I mean, I, I'm not part of it. So criticizing it would sound very it wouldn't work coming from me. And that's what I'm saying. It's hard for me to put a lot of this stuff into words, but Riker's beard is saying, Hey, maybe, maybe it's not so much the art style. It's some of the, the stuff around the art style 
the that cultural differences is making you uncomfortable. Yeah, as opposed to you know this character looks younger, which is essentially what we're saying. Yeah, I had somebody come on and criticize uh, some of the things I said in my FF13 review regarding cultural differences and the need to localize not just uh, the words, but maybe like the way a character talks, you know, that kind of thing yeah. so that it doesn't feel weird or uncomfortable to another audience. And that, right, that it's is not being localized for us. And that that's that maybe that's part of it. Maybe it should. That would be freaking insane. <laughs> That's a rabbit hole that is, I mean, that would that, be the most expensive localization <laughs> that's ever been done. If they did redid the character art just because of the culture being different. Yeah. That that's a whole rabbit hole that I, I don't think we can go down right now for not just for time. No, but for I don't the think fact so. that, but I do I, believe I don't have an answer point. to that question. I know. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what to um, say, I, but, but I think he's on the right track. I just don't know how to address it. <laughs> anyways, I can't, I can't find the other, um, I can't, I can't find the other comment I was going to look at, but the, but it, it said something like, I'm not putting it in quotes, right? Because I'm summarizing. It said something mm-hmm. like, um, the issue is changing the art, not whether or not the new or old art is good or better or whatever. Right. And I hope that we've made that clear. We aren't saying yeah. this is better, this is worse. We're, it, we're just criticizing the art for what it is i am subjectively saying i appreciate the amount of detail subjectively and the style of this better than this but what i think the real underlying issue is is that they're changing it at all instead of trying to i mean the idea of bringing into hd giving us higher resolution textures maybe better uh higher polygon models to try and make those garbage we characters look more like this to try and represent i'm on the original xenoblade shulk art right now case so oh the original the original concept art if they were to try and create this look in hd to be faithful to the original vision of the project in the hd that's fantastic that's exactly what i would expect from something called the definitive edition right yeah instead of altering it's not a remake it, it is the original game it's not yeah. it's just the definitive it, version instead of altering it now hat 89 brought this up a couple of times and i i thought it was uh, an interesting point to consider and that is that what if you went the opposite way let's say you took something like persona 4 and you were released or, or persona 5 or whatever it is a persona game and you're, you're going to release the definitive edition of that game but you change all the character art to be more like Witcher 3 realistic look to it. I think all of these people that are pushing back on us regarding this issue would be really pissed about that. Now, I realize that's not an apples-to-apples comparison. At least we're still in the same wheelhouse in terms of it's still anime. It's not turned into realism or something like that. Right, they didn't change it too much. All I'm saying is is that your your tune would be different if they took something you really liked in terms of art direction and they altered it and then called that thing a definitive edition of the game, you wouldn't be on board with that. I don't think so. Like the, this uh, secret of mana that they just released. It's the yeah. definitive edition, but it's all cutesy pastel and like, yeah, and, okay. and I don't, I don't like that interpretation of no, the, art. I, I don't, don't like it, but that, like that's it. a similar kind of thing. That's a similar 
Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, hey, people like this. It's like, ah, some people like that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'd I mean, rather the original just be up-resed, but whatever. So anyways, I think I've reached the end of the point I want to make on this and the response to last week's uh, criticism of us. Um, hopefully it's been made more clear. Um, again, I apologize for using language that may may have made people feel like uh, I'm criticizing their whole culture as being lame or stupid or um, you know you're losers if you're into this. That is not at all my intention, and I'm sorry if if that's how it came across. Um, I want to clarify that again. I don't think I think we talked about this in our escapism topic. There's nothing wrong with escapism. I'm just right. saying that escapism, just like the example I used in that in that other podcast where I walk into the NBA and I am immediately the MVP and better than every player in the league and can dunk over LeBron, LeBron, LeBron James and like shut him down to six points in a game. Like yeah. that fantasy, that escapism for me would not make for good storytelling because there's no conflict in it. Right. Yeah. So the issues that I have with certain escapist tendencies in mainstream anime manga going on right now, that's the issue is that I'm more, personally invested in good storytelling and less invested in some uh, escapist media and so there's not something wrong with it it's not bad you're not a bad person or a stupid or lame person if you enjoy that i'm not criticizing it based on whether or not it's moral or good or bad or whatever it's not a value judgment it's a observation about whether or not that makes for effective storytelling Okay. There have been some really good comments, by the way. I I can't. There's been way too many of them. Um, but ah, I'm trying to think of how I could how I could like sum it up. But a lot of people are bringing up a ton of really, really good points, and um, I don't know. I think uh, I, I appreciate all the comments. I'm just sorry we're not going to be able to. Uh, we're not going to be able to address them. See everybody like, at yeah. all. But I think they're, they're, just, what... they're, they're really good. People bring up really good points. And a lot of you guys know tons of stuff like more than us about all sorts of things. And I just, I, we just can't go into that. I'm sorry. Um, I, here's what I'll do. I think from now on, because uh, a couple weeks ago I did a discussion on Sweden two, and I used a different overlay for that, which showed the, the chat. I think I'm oh, yeah. going to alter our overlay for the podcast in the future to where the chat yeah, is on I screen. Yeah, I think so. Because there's some, I don't know, there's just some really good stuff in the chat. Like, people are really, I feel like you guys have made your points really well. I know at the very beginning it was kind of rough and, um, it, I don't know, some people were really pushing back. But I, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I understand things a lot better having read the track for the most part, or read the chat for the most part. And it would be really useful if we put it in the video, so. Yeah. Otherwise, so we lose them. they're gone. I'll, you know? I'll do that. I'll do that for next week. I'll create a new overlay that includes the chat in it, so people can read uh, the counterpoints being brought up and, and all that. Because again, that's the whole purpose of this is is a discussion to um, share, you know, our perspective and and to learn from one another. And I have done a lot of learning on this podcast from people who know more about certain things than me, yeah, who have seen things great. I haven't seen. Um, I just felt that this week in particular was. Um, that's not what was going on. It was it was more yeah. mean spirited 
the response. And it's probably in response to thinking that I was being mean-spirited. And so I'm sorry for coming off like that. That's not what I was intending to do. Um, I use words like cheap when I meant inexpensive, which that is what the word means, but it can also yeah, mean but... <laughs> have a negative connotation yeah. you know, assigned with it, it as well. two things. And yeah. I think I tried to clarify that last week, but anyways, obviously it didn't you know, get across. Anyways, people will always be able to take a, a two-minute section of whatever we say, and it may seem different no matter what else you say and to clarify or whatever. And that's just always going to happen. But, but... Jackpot786 asked two questions. The first okay. one is, Kaysen, I want to learn Japanese but can't find your video on how you learned it. Can I find it anywhere? Is there a playlist or something it's, with that it's, video? Uh, it's, let me see if it's in a playlist. Um, I'll put it into the chat right now either way. But if it's not in a playlist, okay. I'll, I'll put it into a playlist. It'll be easier to find in the future. Yeah, it's unlisted because it. Anyway, we, we, we're we're trying to have more... I don't know, just generally, mostly just higher quality content that's on our channel as opposed to stuff like me just kind of talking about how to learn Japanese. Um, so, but the video is still there. It's just unlisted, um, but we'll put it in a playlist or something so that people can still find it because the playlist will be public, but the video there will just be unlisted. Um, the other question Jackbox786 asked was, what did you guys think of the new Final Fantasy VII remake footage? And that is how we're getting... To the next topic. That's literally the next podcast. topic, <laughs> fellas. Thanks for asking. So, Why don't you, you go think, first while, while I um, while <laughs> okay, I I'll go. I'll I, go. I just put that um, I just put that video uh, link in the chat. I'll oh, put perfect. it in the description yes. of the video as well, in case anyone else wants to find it. So go to that video. That's how you learn Japanese or basically any language. Um, it's my method. Okay. What did you think? Um, so I first started watching it. So the trailer, okay, I didn't know it was going to drop. This was kind of sudden for me. I know Tokyo Game Show is happening and they were going to have something, but I didn't realize it was going to be this big of a, this big of a thing. So they show it. I think we have a pretty dang good idea of what this game is now. At this point, we, we see the demo. We see a lot of the footage. We see how the battle system goes, all the gameplay. We've seen glimpses before, but I didn't feel like I really knew what we were getting in terms of the, the full product until this uh, Tokyo Game Show um, trailer and subsequent demo footage dropped. And I, I see it. I do not at all like the voice acting. It grinds my ears. Absolutely horrible for me to listen to. But I watched the trailer in Japanese and I was like, that's pretty cool. So I'm going to... I've already said this, but it's just cemented it. I am, I am a Japanese audio with English subtitles. That's just what I'm going to do. Well, and you'll have it, I, so that's I, nice. I, I know, that's great. That's great. I, I, I love Square Enix that they give that option, so that's cool. And I am going to play it because my favorite part of Final Fantasy is the beginning. It is the Midgar. It is that section of the game. So I will for sure be buying Final Fantasy VII Remake. However, I did not love the trailer. I did not love... There was more than just the voices. I, I did not love the characters what they did with any of the characters um i didn't love some of the things that they're doing that are a little bit different from the game now for the most part it all seems pretty close right but they've made some changes that are like why just why did you do that why'd you do that and we'll find out why part of it's because they took 10 hours of final fantasy 7 and they're trying to stretch it into a 50 hour game so that's cool like suppose um but I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the stuff that they're doing. So what I'm going to for sure do is play the, this episode one of the remake 
What I don't know if I'm going to ever do is play any of the other games in the remake. I am not sold um, on the remake at all based on what I've seen. It doesn't look like a great game to me, Uh, but I will play the first one just because if they can't get that right, then the whole thing's not working. And this is my favorite part of Final Fantasy VII was was the beginning in Midgar. So, like, I'm not excited to play it, but I'm going to play it. That might be... That's probably the best way to sum up. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I want to I want to clarify something because people are saying ghosts were in the original. He's not talking about the ghost. Oh, train I wasn't yard. talking about the ghosts. He's talking about the the little um, the black Genova Sephirothy spirit things that are added. They are new. Yeah, that's to stuff's new. This version in the, the trailer. They showed them uh, the fighting them near uh, Tifa's seventh heaven bar. Uh, there's a, a section where oh, Tifa yeah. and Cloud are coming out, and there's all these like black Dementor-looking ghosts flying around, and they're all fighting them. That is that's what here Kason was saying when he said I, I I do that, and also the the what, President Shinra being like projected as this this big like hologram instead of like him actually being there, which I sort of maybe understand why they might have done something like that. Because would the president really have shown up in front of these dudes with guns on his helicopter? I mean, he did in the original game, but is that smart? I don't know. Um, So I kind of get it, but I don't understand um, necessarily why they did a lot of things they do. But also, dang it. Oh, you had this. You you had just said something that I was going to make a point out of. Oh, yeah. So one thing that I never really understood and that I kind of liked a little bit, it made me smile. They have that one shot where Cloud gets. Dang it. Hold up, he's and a frog, and he's like jumping around, and he's a frog. It's like in the battle sequence. Okay, you're back now. So we we got oh, most really? of that. It took a second, but we got most of that. He got, tur- got turned into a frog. My bad. So you're good. Okay. Okay, so we got turned frog, and he's hopping around, and it's like funny and cute and whatever. And there is stuff like that in Final Fantasy VII. In fact, in all the Final Fantasies, you're fighting these weird monster-looking things, and it's it's hard to even say what what they are for the most part. Like a lot of the enemies that you end up fighting, um. That's just something Final Fantasy has always done, and they look weird, and they're, what are they, demons? I don't know. And so it all depends on how exactly they're interpreting some of that original stuff from the game when they put things like the Dementors in in Final Fantasy VII Remake right outside of Seventh Heaven. So I don't know. Like, it's I just, I don't know what to think of it necessarily other than I, my initial reaction is not, I'm not happy about it. I don't, I don't love it. And but I am going to play it. Okay, so um, before I move in, I want to respond to this comment. FF7 remake looks effing amazing. If you think otherwise, then you need to go back to your NES and leave us alone in the 21st century. Now, this is the kind of thing that mm. I was talking about earlier with how we talked to each other. You clicked on this video. <laughs> like, okay. what, are you, what are you doing, man? Um, <laughs> That's what you Dave know, Chappelle's Whatever. Doing. Just if remember, you're... you clicked on my face. Yeah. I could similarly say... If you think the FF7 remake trailer looks amazing, then you are illiterate when it comes to storytelling, uh, like good storytelling, and that you need to uh, continue on with your moe anime weeb trash and leave us alone who actually want good storytelling. I could say something like that, but... Uh, Someone is would, going to clip that exact 10-second thing, and, oh, dude, you're in trouble, man. Good that luck. That would completely derail... <laughs> derail this conversation into a, a, a bout of just screaming at each other. So I yes, won't do yes, that. It <laughs> um, what I will say is this. I had a very strong reaction to it 
earlier in the week, and I have... I don't know. I, I, I feel like I keep swinging back and forth on this project, right? So part of me thinks that my, yeah. my issues with that trailer were more with the, just the construction of the trailer itself. Um, I feel like if you had chosen different music, if you had edited it differently, it would have landed really differently for me. Um, in particular, there's a lot of sort of like more dramatic lines being uttered, but they're playing this sort of subdued new version of the Turks theme underneath it for like the middle portion yeah. of the trailer. And there's like sort of some exciting flashy action stuff that they're showing. And like the music feels like it falls a little bit flat. And so that almost like heightens the, or, or makes things that, makes things appear or feel more cheesy than they would in another context under different music, under different editing, that kind of thing. Right. So I feel like, cause there's a lot of people who have shared that they feel like the, the, the dialogue and like you're saying, the voice acting, it feels so cheesy. There's that shot, like people talking about it being a harem with Tifa and Aerith on either arm of cloud. And they look like straight into the camera <laughs> and it just like feels really cheesy. Right. And it feels like the tone of this trailer is almost antithetical to the tone of the original game in a lot of ways. That's not to say that there wasn't any silliness in the original game. I've said this, geez, I don't know how many times, and I don't even remember where because a lot of times I say it in my daily streams with the, with the patrons. There needs to be contrast in the story. There needs to be moments of levity to release the tension. I'm not saying you have to have one single tone across the whole thing. I'm saying that the general tone of Final Fantasy VII is something pretty deep. It has something really, really profound to say. Its themes and and its its characters and and the dramatic side of of that game's story is the dominant thematic and tonal feature of that game's storytelling. But they seem to be emphasizing a little more some of the sillier stuff in this particular trailer in certain areas. So I think that some of it was that I just don't think it was that well made of a trailer because when I watch this, I'm going to put it on screen now. When I watch this gameplay footage and I listen to the music while they're descending into the reactor here from the, from the demo that they were, uh, Showing off, and they, they showed another boss battle against uh, Apps, oh, yeah. which is the boss right after Don Corneo's mansion. When I see, when I watch this unedited footage of the game, I, I get a very different feeling from it than when I watch their trailers, if that makes sense. Like, even the dialogue mm -hmm. that they're saying, like when they're talking to each other, there's a, a conversation that Barrett and Cloud have towards the towards the bottom of the reactor here when he's telling him to set the bomb. And I, even in English, when I listen to them talk back and forth, it doesn't feel super cheesy and just like cringy to listen to in, in well, context. Like kind of well, uh, like what you're saying, when you, when you're hearing this stuff back to back in a trailer, there's almost a, I don't want to call it. There's like a trope to, anime trailers even you know like 
that's to, a good, no, that's every character has to have have their piece. They have to say this, and, and out of context, it's just it sounds really melodramatic or, or just uh, not very subtle, right? But when I watch it in context, it feels a lot better. It it doesn't it doesn't feel cheesy to me when I'm watching this unedited. Sure. It, does that make sense? Yeah, sure, that makes sense. Yeah. Because so, it, it makes it sound like you know when you're playing a game like um oh what was it uh Chronicles or Tales of Tales of Symphonia or something like that I don't know if all the Tales of games do this but Tales of Symphonia where everyone's just constantly shouting over each other during the entire time that you're fighting sure. and they're all saying they're all announcing to the world what attack they're doing and they're doing it and they're all congratulating each other and making fun of each other and it's 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 really annoying um but and so. I just hate it when everyone's got their own little quip or like one-liners that they're always constantly throwing out there. It just really bugs me. Um, but I agree watching the gameplay in Final Fantasy seven that it, it's spaced out enough to where it's like, it's not like they're constantly doing it, which is the most annoying part of, of that aspect. It's just that it's so constant. It's not that it's bad sometimes. It's just yeah. all the time. It gets really annoying. Yeah. It's, it's like you're saturated with all the cheesiness at one single moment instead of having that spread out maybe over like, <laughs> once every other yes. scene or something like that. And so it just <laughs> exactly. feels like you're being bombarded with it. Uh, yeah. Modern Erasmus is saying, interesting, in some ways I'm actually worried about the opposite. The personalities of a lot of the cast have really gotten flannernized since the original. So I'm worried about some of the cheese, uh, uh, that some of the cheese will be cut away to make Cloud one note edgelord instead of the dork trying to act like one. I, I, I feel you there. And um, I mean, all of these concerns are valid concerns i think i mean we won't know for sure until the thing is out and we can actually see it beginning to end with you know for ourselves right um so i i have concerns but at the same time i see certain things that i like so much that it just makes me f in this totally conflicted place and i have no idea how to feel um i will say this though <clears throat> i'm going to show the apps battle on screen now <clears throat> i have to give them credit for this i've been talking about for years on the channel how to properly do a hybrid battle system that yes. incorporates all the things yeah. that you like <laughs> in a turn-based strategy uh, rpg battle system with an action battle system in real time yeah. i've been talking about that for years and this game is doing literally every single thing i have ever wanted from that hybrid that hypothetical hybrid i've been talking about they listen to it's, you it's you literally can, you can switch characters yeah that's yeah cool. it's literally exactly what i've been saying you can switch characters at at will and 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 the the camera moves over to the person the person doesn't come to you and switch you move over to them so positioning on the battlefield between the characters uh hopefully will matter um they they allow you to do a bullet time slow motion when you go into the command menu to select something um like i just showing it right now on the screen that i've been asking for something like that for years i think that's amazing because it gives you time to use the command system the, the menu command system uh but uh, but ha makes it continue to move as if in in real life the hardest yeah. it's hard to describe why why i think that's so great um you're trying to control three people at the same time right in in real life yeah. if, if you and i are fighting in a battle 
against some monster or something. I don't know why I said real life. Let's imagine in real life there's a monster and <laughs> you and I are fighting it. <laughs> that sounded so stupid. We're, we're um, fighting a bear, dude. We're okay, so we're fighting a bear, right? And <laughs> I want to uh, make a decision in the moment. I'm not going to have to go into my brain and go down a list of all the possible options that I could make in that moment. I'm going to say, I need to roll, and I'll just roll, right? That's yes. the... That is you, the, you won't say you need to roll. You will yeah. just roll. That is the advantage to an action system, an, an action game, is I can just act. And it goes in yeah. real time. It's really exciting. And, and it's all moving in real time. And you got to get, you have to uh, time things well. And you have to like learn boss patterns. There's a skill involved in that that you don't necessarily have in a traditional turn based battle system, right? At the same time, mm -hmm. what's so great about turn based battle systems, you can control more than one person at a time, where you can't make that kind of split decision at the moment for three or four people at the same time. I can't tell myself to roll this way and tell you to, to attack with magic and tell this person to do that all at the same time, which is why you need a menu, right? But with the, the bullet time, it's as if you're going into the brain of the character in that split second moment and you're telling them what to do. But for them, right, the abstraction of that is for them, the, the world didn't slow down. It only slowed down for me giving the command, but for them, they're like in their mind deciding what to do now in, in the moment, right? So I really, 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 really like what they are doing with this battle system. It's literally everything I've asked for from an action uh, menu-based um, or you know command-based. I wonder if there's something to that. So you, you ask for things... And somehow they happen with the Final Fantasy VII Remake in terms of Cloud's redesign, in terms yeah. of a lot of what they've been doing with FIFA. They, somebody mentioned this in, the, in the, um, the comments here, that it seems like they've really toned down what people thought was going to be the massive fan service stuff on, you know, with using Tifa specifically. Mm, yeah. And that they aren't really doing that, it doesn't seem. And like, okay, well, that's pretty cool. But it seems like they might do that at first. I don't know. And then... Um, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised, man, if they if they uh, watch the watch the podcast and some of your videos. Uh, maybe. Uh, <laughs> um, I I know that we've had contact with Square Enix. They're aware at least of our main channel. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know how actively they watch it or if it has anything to do with what they think. I did um, make a video on that channel about the combat system, uh, what I'd like to see from it, and it yeah. and uh, it's interesting that a lot of those things were incorporated but i don't i'm yeah, not gonna cool. i'm not going to claim you know responsibility eh, you don't have to i will this was 100 <laughs> mike's doing you can all thank mike for the team <laughs> anyways in addition to this they also clarified that you can do a what's called a classic mode where um the atb builds up by itself and the characters run around and attack on their own um and then it'll pause when it when the atb fills up and you can i don't know if it pauses but um, anyways, the idea of it is that it's essentially turn-based mode, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. like, instead of you running around attacking yeah. stuff and building up the ATB, the character does that on their own and you wait for the ATB to fill up and then you choose a command, essentially making it the same so, as... Yeah, it presents itself. It presents as an action game, but in yes. reality, it's uh, turn-based. You're really but just using the menus the same way you would have in the original turn-based right game. it just you see all the yeah yeah cool so that's cool 
I think that they're they're aware of the fact that there are a lot of fans that like turn-based combat and they and they want to play it that way and so they're they're giving the option for that i think they're making yeah. they're making you know, a really strong attempt to try and please as, as many people as they can and they know that the older fans want how, something different yeah how much trouble do you think it was for them to implement that that's a great question because i have no idea i don't i don't think it because you already have the and I don't think it would be that difficult to implement that. I don't know why they haven't been doing that this whole time. <laughs> I like having a separate mode for I maybe it's harder to balance the game out um and make it not too easy depending on which one you're doing. But technically, I don't see it as being that difficult a thing for them to have implemented in, say, like any of the other Final Fantasies. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's it's tough to say because like I'm not a game 15, designer. I'm 15, I'm saying. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm a game designer. Well, it's 15 kind of, kind of, kind of does have this though. They do have a wait yeah. mode in Final Fantasy 15 where um, it, the whole bat- battle pauses while you kind of like select. Oh yes, they do. They do. It's it's that, it's though. not exactly the same because you're not using no, like it's a different, command but I know menu. You, I but anyways, yeah. Um, that game was not originally yeah. supposed to be a mainline Final Fantasy game. It's supposed to be a spinoff. So changing it's combat to be more command based might not have made sense with how much work they had done on the action system. Anyways, it's a whole other rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. Okay. Anyways. Um, okay. Keep going. Oh, I thought you had something else to say. Well, I do, I do, but it's, it's a general point unless, are you done making your point for it? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So, I was going to say, if this was not called Final Fantasy VII Remake, th- this is a test that I've always had to kind of run on myself. I think Landon brought this up to me once because I told him I didn't like the Harry Potter movies. And he's huh. like, what's there not to like? I'm like, yeah, I didn't like Harry Potter five, right? Mm-hmm. And he didn't know why I didn't like it because he liked it. And I liked all the other Harry Potter movies. Well, the only difference was I had read the books before f- watching the fifth movie. I hadn't read the books before watching before any that. of the other four movies, right? Mm-hmm. So now that I've read the book and saw the movie, oh, and now I hate it, right? And so he kind of pointed that out to me a little bit in a way that was like, well, they're good movies. Like, you know, they're, they're not like terrible, terrible movies. It's just maybe they didn't do everything you wanted them to in the book or whatever. But he, he asked me the question, if it wasn't called Harry Potter, would you have then liked the movie? If it, was, if it just didn't have that name associated with it. And I was like, well, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to say at that point. But I've used that same measure later on in my life, especially more recently with a movie called Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. <laughs> Is that what it's called? If that movie was not called Star Wars, that's, that's a pretty cool movie. Like, that's, you know, like I probably would have liked it. And I'd have been excited to see what the sequel was going to be. But it's called Star Wars. And there's a character in it named Luke Skywalker. And I didn't like what happened to the Star Wars-y and Luke Skywalker-y portions of that movie. But were I to just, were maybe that character wasn't called Luke Skywalker. He was called Jason. And it wasn't called Star Wars. It was called Space Battles. All of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, this, this is pretty cool. I'll watch the next one, you know? But because it's called Star Wars, I freaking really didn't like that movie. And so as I look at Final Fantasy VII Remake, and I think to myself, okay, it's called Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm watching all the trailers. I'm not excited to play this game. But what if it wasn't called Final Fantasy VII Remake? What if this was Final Fantasy XVI and the character wasn't called Cloud? He was called, you know, Jason, whatever. And <laughs> I, now I'm watching the same exact thing that I'm watching right now. I've got the demo playing right now. And 
all of a sudden it's like, yeah, this, this is a pretty cool game, actually. <laughs> this looks pretty cool. I just don't like that it's called Final Fantasy VII. So using that measure, I can say, yeah, they've done a lot to really make this game interesting. And, you know, they've done a lot to kind of try to make it a good game on its own as opposed to just make remake the original. The problem is they need that they're remaking the original. And that's 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 the problem. They aren't doing what they told me they were doing but were i to just take those preconceived notions out of my head what what are they doing yeah it's actually kind of cool like i should be more excited to play this game than i am so i i agree that um there's almost nothing you can do to totally remove certain preconceived notions when going into something that is adapted from something else or remade or whatever um Rob brought up that I was the same way with uh, Lord of the Rings. However, I do want to make a counterpoint in that I I don't think that like (laughs) I I for one would not have been cool with the Star Wars The Last Jedi story if it was called something else. I think that it just has legitimately bad storytelling in it. Um, Things like there are counterpoints to this about uh what it, what do you what kind of realism are you really expecting from a space opera sure. fantasy versus a hard science fiction um so i'm aware of those things before i say this i'm just making a point um some of the conflict of that movie is ridiculous you're almost out of fuel like the the amount of speed we can either go light speed or we can go at this speed that's just slower than them <laughs> and so therefore <laughs> We can't catch up, so we're in this. But here's the thing: chase. that is kind of a Star Wars thing. Like so Han Solo's trying to outrun the things, and oh, we got to make the jump to light speed. Like somehow it's a thing. They they can't. You can't just go half light speed. You can't just go like tenth of light speed. It's all, I don't know. Star Wars is just kind of funny like that, I guess. Anyways, there are other things. That's that's more of a nitpicking type of thing, I think. And you know, if you feel that way, I would understand why someone would think that's not this most valid criticism ever right but there well, are other... one of the biggest things for me was the whole light speed thing at the end maybe you don't say exactly what happens but there is a thing with light speed that happens that's like oh how come they haven't been doing haven't this how come well, they don't just have unmanned <laughs> spaceships doing this all take, the time um take <laughs> all of the other star wars movies out of your head and just watch this movie as if it's that's the first true. of its own movie and all of a sudden it's like like oh yeah that's a good idea fair, i'm glad they did point. that and you fair don't point. know that they haven't been doing it this whole time Anyways, I feel like some of my other objections to maybe the uh, Lord of the Rings sequels are, are not necessarily entirely predicated on a preconceived well, notion. Yeah. As much as... It is true that... Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, you know what I mean. Fellowship is the best. It's the best of the three. Like, it is true that Fellowship is is better. But the other three, the other two aren't as aren't that bad. I guess. I don't know. But I, similar yeah. to Mike, I saw Fellowship before I read the books and then I read the books and Two Towers wasn't as good of a movie to me all of a sudden. And it is true that now that I'm older, I can see, yeah, Fellowship is a better movie than Two Towers. Um, but there is definitely, I didn't do myself any favors by having the expectations that I set up for myself by introducing myself to Two Towers before watching the movie. Okay. Um, anyways. Uh, it's late, by the way. Yeah. It's two forty-five. All right, let's let's get through this quickly, and then I'll. I think I can make the last point pretty fairly quickly. Okay, so my major my major thing about FF seven is this. Um, 
I, I've already said this in the past. There are certain things they're doing with the story that I, I don't necessarily like. And, it, and it's related to my objection with Xenoblade Chronicles. You're taking an original piece of art and you're, you're making changes to it that don't feel necessary. They feel more like it's a marketing thing. Um, I feel like this art style is closer to the popular style right now and it will be more marketable if it looks like this than if it looks like this right i feel like that's a cold kind of business decision to try and make the thing more appealing to a larger audience and sell more than it is an attempt to be uh i guess to bring the original to a new platform conveniently in the most faithful way possible so. It isn't exactly same thing with the Final Fantasy VII remake. You say it's not exactly what they said it was going to be. Yeah, they said, well, "Oh, I'm least, doing this thing," and then you see it, and you're like, "Wait, you kind of didn't really just do that thing. You're also doing yeah. a lot of other things." Or at least, at least what is insinuated by remake, right? Like you think they're just going to take this thing and they're going to make it into HD graphics today, and they're going to release it. And I think exactly. that most most people probably wanted that. But they've gone and expanded right. on it to such a degree that it's, I mean, it's not really the same thing anymore. It's right. its an entirely new reimagined version of it. And See, somebody, I think it might have been Greg Troyan in the comments was saying, this isn't a remake, it's a reboot. Like, yeah. you know how Batman, they always retell his origin stories and yeah. they keep making new and they reboot and Spider-Man and all these movies. Well, they keep rebooting the original with new actors, with better VFX or whatever. That's kind of what Final Fantasy VII Remake is. It, that it is. makes a lot more sense looking at looking at it as a reboot as opposed to a remake. Makes it a little more palatable, I think. So, so here's, and now everybody knows I am into storytelling. That's like my passion is storytelling. It's not just about writing a cool concept it's about the delivery of it how do we deliver the message of this story in the most impactful way possible so i'm i'm looking at things under a lens of the techniques of storytelling and one concern that i have is that the message of final fantasy 7 may be lost in this sort of more hype marketing age to present to you remember this character or remember this location or this scene where you did this or that and and the focus being on all of the cool exciting stuff rather than being on what was it that final fantasy 7 was really about right i think that what i've arrived at is that these trailers seem to be emphasizing the the excitement and the marketing type stuff and they're not really sure. like can't, getting the feel or the spirit of it. I can't. And the yeah. original Final Fantasy VII's trailers were also done that way. So it, there is oh, something I, to be said. Actually, I've never seen them. There's huh. something to be said about the need to just market something looking really cool and not really focusing necessarily on the dramatic depth or the thematic content of something as a means to just sell the thing, right? But that, that is kind of why I feel this conundrum where I'm watching the game in action unedited and I feel differently about it then than I do when I'm watching a trailer. And so hmm. there's no way to tell whether or not they have truly betrayed the spirit or the thematic content of the original game without just yeah. seeing it presented beat by beat 
scene by scene in the way that they're going about it now. Which is part of why I said, I, even though I'm not excited, I have to play. At least I have to play episode one. I have to play this first game to see what exactly they're doing here. because, And then I'll make my decisions later on as to whether I'll continue. you know. But I have to at least buy and play this first game. There, there are certain things I'm seeing in terms of changes and alterations to specific story. The, the fact that they're bringing Sephiroth in sooner. We've talked about that all in the past. I still have the same concerns about all of that. But what I have seen as a common thread for me personally is that when I look at trailers, I get this really, I don't know, I guess like premonition that, that they've lost the, the, the meat or the, the core of what made that game so great in the beginning or originally. But then when I watch just someone playing the game, just a demo or whatever, I don't have that feeling. It, the presentation feels different. And it works better. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what to think. And I'm not going to know what to think until I just get my hands on the thing and try it and and see where it's going. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. That sounds about right. All right. Yeah. Last topic for today. And then we'll we'll do a community story and close up. So regarding all of this, there was a comment on last week's uh, podcast. Let me try and find it real quick. Um, from uh, Mimic Warrior Artist. Um, let me pull it up. And and this is kind of just like a, a larger sort of topic that's been on my mind a lot recently. And uh, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this too, of course, Kason. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put it on a screen. I'm not going to read the whole thing um, from Mimic here. Uh, if if uh, I guess it's not on the screen. Let me put it on the screen. I'll put it on the screen here for people to read if they if they want to pause and like read the whole thing. But there's um, a, a sentiment shared towards the end of this that that I felt like I want to respond to. Um, it's this part, uh, or I guess starting from here. My happiness and joy is not dependent on Square Enix or any other company. But if they release something I am interested in, I'll buy it. At the end of the day, all you can do is appreciate what you have because what you can do or what can you do about what you don't have. It's their decision in the end to do something or not do something. We can simply be happy with that or simply not buy the game instead of hyper-criticizing everything. I do understand something of what you say are saying. Okay, anyways, I think that's the end of the, the sentiment. I mean, that's the point, yeah. So, um, I wanted to be quick about this. I'll do it as quickly as I can. You guys see me once a week on this podcast and you see me whenever we put videos up and you see me within a very specific context. And that is talking about, uh, uh, perhaps overanalyzing these, these video games that we all, uh, you know, have an emotional attachment to. We all grew up with, we all loved, um, and and newer stuff coming out. You know, you, you see this hype, hyper, I don't want to use a hypercritical necessarily this, um, this mindset about like just really looking at the details and analyzing everything deeply and talking about whether or not it works or doesn't work. And so it might come across like that is who I am. <laughs> like the totality of me, my personality is I am this person who's laser focused on criticizing every single thing and uh, I'm never really not happy or whatever. Um, the final fantasy seven remake 
could have come out last week and 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 uh, I, I might or might not have picked it up. It would have had literally nothing to do with the the amount of happiness I have in my life. Um, I don't go around every second of my day thinking about this stuff. Uh, there are relationships, family, work, um, all kinds of other things, other hobbies that I have that I think about on a day-to-day basis. I almost only think about this stuff when I'm working on the channel, but it's only one piece of my life. And my life is, is great. I have a good life. (laughs) I am generally very happy in my life. So whether or not the final fantasy seven remake lives up to my expectations of it or whatever it might be has absolutely zero effect on my happiness. And so what, what we're doing here is, or what I'm doing here is not analyzing this from the perspective of a fan saying, man, I really want this. And if they don't give it to me, I'm just going to be pissed off. That's, uh, I, 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 I hope that's not the, uh, I guess what's the word I'm looking for. The illusion that we're giving off. I, I do this from the perspective of a potential creator, right? I'm doing this because I want to get better at certain things. I analyze sure. because I want to see in detail how they put this together and why or why not it may be working for certain people so that I can learn from that and, uh, and use it in my own work. So I'm not, I am not approaching this or talking about this from the from the the impression thank you Jonah the man I, I don't know why that word was escaping me i'm not giving off the impression <laughs> that that's what i'm here for that i'm just complaining about something as a fan and i as a fan i just want to consume something like this and why can't you just make it the way i want it uh that's not the purpose and the second that we get off this podcast i will not be thinking about it the rest of the day i'm going to go <laughs> hang out with people i'll probably watch yeah. some football um i'll get something oh, to eat um you know th- there are uh, way other th- way 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 more there's way more going on in my life than just this and my life in general is very happy and i i'm, I'm fine um so i'm here talking from a creator's perspective uh, pretty much to other people who are either interested in the creative process or who want to be creators themselves. I'm not here to argue with fans about the consumerism side of things. That's not really the purpose of this, right? Right. Um, okay. So, so that being said, I made an observation when I was in Hawaii um, last month. Um, I had been through a really, really kind of difficult burnout stage. Um, I was just really struggling. I hadn't taken like an actual legitimately, you know, longer than a couple of days type of vacation in many, many, many years. Um, I had been driving myself into the ground with the amount of work I was trying to do. And I, I, it was affecting my health. Um, so anyways, I was there and I think that I had, I mean, we all do this, right? We plan a vacation. We have an idea about what that vacation is going to be like before you go. Oh, it's going to, we're going to do this and it's going to be awesome. And we're going to go here and it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be so relaxing. I'm going to feel so great. And this is going to be really fun and all this stuff. And then you actually get there and things come up 
or it's not quite as cool as you saw it in your head. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, man, I, by the way, I had a great vacation. I, I, I relaxed a lot. It was, it was a really good experience, but it's just that anyways, I'm, I'm just trying to say at the, at the time that I saw this, I was, um, not ne- the, the vacation was not necessarily living up to the idea I had in my mind at the time. So then I'm, I'm, I'm walking through the resort and I see it is pretty early in the morning. I tried to go to the gym that morning and I was walking through and I saw a family together. It was grandparents, parents, little kids. Mm-hmm. And there was a little toddler in the stroller and they had, uh, you know, this waterfall and, and these little rivers and they had koi fish in there and these, you know, exotic birds are flying around birds that like, unlike any I'd ever really seen before. I'd never mm-hmm. been to Hawaii before. I'd never seen a bird like that. Anyway, it flies down and it's looking at the fish and it's looking like it's going to try and grab one or something. And I saw the parents and, and the grandparents pointing out the fish and the bird and the water and all this cool stuff to the little toddler. And I saw how engaged the toddler was with looking at all this new stuff stuff mm. that this kid's probably never seen before in their entire life because it kids maybe one two years old i don't know how old, how old the child was just wide-eyed looking back and forth totally engaged with what it was seeing and then i looked at the grandparents and they were similarly wide-eyed engaged but they were all looking at the toddler's face they were, they were looking at the kid's reaction to what was happening. They had no interest in what was actually happening. Hmm. And I felt like there was something really profound when, when I saw that. And that is that we've talked a lot in the past about um, rule of diminishing returns and repetition um, and how that can diminish the impact of something. Like the more you've done something, the less exciting or impressive it is. Um, mm-hmm. The less of an impact it has, the more you repeat it, right? It becomes normal to you. You become acclimated to it. It's not, it's not the same as the first time you experienced it. I felt like now that I'm in my 30s, I'm, I'm getting to this precipice where I've lived and had enough experience to where things just don't feel impressive like they used to. Remember Christmas when you were five years old? Yep. Versus Christmas this year or last year or whatever it was. Do you, did you have the same feeling of that excitement and the Christmas spirit as a 30 something year old adult as you did when you were a kid? Not even close, but I do have a toddler. (laughs) Yes. And, and what is that That like to, to create that experience you once had for this new generation? How fulfilling yeah, it's like was a that? By proxy, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was fun. Our, my daughter, she was like one and a half, so she. I'd say this Christmas is the real, like, going to be her real first one. She didn't really get what was going on in that other one, but yeah, there was still something of a sense of wonder, and you know, like, she just never seen anything like it before. Yeah, and and you get a sense of fulfillment as a parent. Oh, yeah to create that new experience for the child, arguably more so would I be accurate in saying than you ever had when you were a child experience. Oh, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Because you actually understand what you're doing now and it's not all about you. Like I get, I think this is generally for, for 
humans, just generally speaking, that we get more fulfillment out of what we can do for other people than what other people can do for us. So there's a feeling of debt when somebody else does something for you. That's like, yeah, it's what you wanted. That's great. But you, you you're, it also gives you a little bit of a burden that, yeah, you didn't really get this yourself. Somebody just gave it to you. Maybe you should do something nice for them too. But when you are giving something to somebody else, it relieves that burden of debt. And so it gives you a similar feeling both ways, but one of them, uh, you, you feel like you, somebody did something nice for you. The other one, you're the, you're not the, what is it? You're the creditor, not the debtor or whatever. Yeah. So I think there's something to do with that as well. It's like a reciprocity thing, but when you can do something for somebody else, I think it results in even more um, happiness than you would normally assume. Yeah. And so there's kind of two angles to this. I want to hit again, as quickly as I can. But when you're a kid and your brain's still forming, it's natural. Kids are pretty much little tiny narcissists that just seek for pleasure and fun and excitement and as much cool stuff as they can get in their lives to consume all the time. Right. That's kind of like the pursuit of your life when you're a kid. I want to see that cool thing. I want to go do this fun thing. I want to hang out with my friends. I want to eat ice cream all the time. I want to like, you know, like want (laughs) as much pleasure and excitement and fun out of life as you can get. And you're just a a bundle of energy seeking for as much of that as you can possibly consume. Right. But I feel like when you consider the, the rule of diminishing returns, the older you get and the more you've experienced, the less exciting and the less impressive all that stuff becomes. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and you're no longer feeling fulfilled the way that that stuff used to fulfill you or make you feel good or happy when you were much younger. And I think that this leads to this idea of you become a crotchety old person, right? You just criticize all the stuff that comes out now and you remember so fondly all the stuff from when you were a kid. I think it's not just the fact that you know, we've talked about how um, artists back then were speaking to you and they're speaking to a new generation now, so maybe it doesn't resonate with you as much. I think it's not just that. I think it's like I've seen this kind of story play out a million times. I know where it's going. It's not impressive anymore to me. And so you're just immediately a little bit set off. You just don't feel the hype the same way that a younger person feels the hype for something, right? And yeah. so what do you do about that? Right. And I think that this has to do with the way that I'm receiving some of this stuff, the way I'm receiving Final Fantasy VII remake trailers, the way that I'm receiving new announcements for games, um, the way that I feel about these new games when I play them. It's very rare for me now to be just totally blown off my feet, impressed with something. I think that's a result of getting older and having experienced so much that it's just my pool of experience makes it harder for me to be impressed. Now, that being said, what do you do about it? Do you go throughout the rest of your life just continually chasing that exciting experience, uh, trying to ramp up and like see how you can make it even crazier and, and, and more impressive to you? Or does, do you at some point shift to becoming a creator of experiences using all of that wisdom and knowledge that you've gained over the course of your life and try to create like experiences for a younger generation coming after you. And the, 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 the shift in that 
becomes the that becomes fulfilling because not only are you able to share and like see that excitement on another person's face but the amount of effort and hard work you had to go through to create that experience right makes it more fulfilling when you work hard for something it means more to you than when you just sit and and and, re, and just get it you know what i mean like um i know this isn't maybe the best example but my parents getting me a game for christmas I would never appreciate that game quite the same way as something that when when I had my first part-time job and I went out and worked and I bought yeah. it with my own money, right? Yeah, and I, you realize the value of... The value of that what thing... What it takes is, to get that, yeah. Yeah, so I see the value in the art when I am going through the process of creating it and all the hard work and the problem-solving and the, the stress and, and all of that that comes, you, you appreciate that final product more when you've been through that and then you see it having an effect on your audience or, or on we're talking about, you know, art here, but even just in creating a, a vacation experience for your child or a Christmas for your child, you understand the value and everything that went into creating that experience. And now you see how it's affecting someone else. And the fulfillment from that, I would argue, is far higher even than chasing the exciting experiences yourself your whole life um, and will lead to a more fulfilling life. And so my purpose in being here and talking yeah. about this stuff is not to get upset because I'm not receiving the experience that I'm demanding, which is the bar is continually being raised the older that I get and the more experience that I have and the more things that I've seen. That's not the purpose of these podcasts or any of our criticism of anything. It is to try and understand the art and, and the creation of the art and what goes into it and what's effective and how that's going to lead to eventually one day us being able to create like experiences for others. Uh, I said this a little bit in my Chrono Trigger review, but I wanted to make people feel inspired the way that I felt inspired when I played Chrono Trigger for the first time. When that experience ended and the credits rolled and I was the feelings that I had, I wanted to create that for others. And, and that, for me, I think is way more fulfilling than just receiving it or consuming it, if that makes sense. Do <sighs> you have any thoughts on that or, or anything to add? Or? Uh, not really. I, I, there's something that came to my mind, but I'm debating whether I should say it or not. Um, there, there is a group of people in China uh, called the Lost Generation. It's like a hundred million people. It's, it's a very large group of people in China. Um, it's basically anybody who should have been in elementary school, junior high school, high school around there um, in like the late sixties and early seventies. And the reason for that is because that was when the cultural revolution happened. And the cultural revolution was this communist like fervor that, basically destroyed all of the old tradition and history and all of uh, what China used to be, but it was spurred by Mao Zedong and he um, got people really thinking inwardly and not outwardly. He, he, he did a really good job of, you know, the famous JFK quote of ask not what you, your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Right. Mm -hmm. Kennedy, of course, being a famous Democrat, <laughs> th that line didn't exact it, it the the way that Mao Zedong was trying to get his communism communist message across was kind of the opposite of that. Like anything, like you deserve things. You all deserve this. You deserve that. 
Um, and the way that communism works collectively, there are these black categories and these red categories. I don't know. Uh, the point is that we, it, it resulted in an incredibly entitled generation of people that kind of never changed as they got older. So they're somewhere in their sixties now, I think. And, um, there, there are certain things in China that you can't have. Like they don't have toilet paper in public bathrooms. They don't because people mostly from this generation will go to the bathrooms and take the toilet paper and they'll just take it and they'll go back home and it's, it's theirs now. And so you have to pay for toilet paper. It costs money per like sheet. Right. Or um, there, there are certain people who they'll go to like a buffet and they will take all of the beef. Like just they'll empty it all onto their plate, bring it back to their table because they didn't have a lot growing up. And with things that happened during the cultural revolution, they just kind of learned to think more inwardly and to not really be concerned about other people and to try and let the government kind of take care of them in a different way than kind of had been happening before. It, it, it was it was an absolute mess and the the cultural revolution was a problem but it created a, a whole generation of people and even in china that's what they call them they call them the lost generation these people couldn't go to school because the schools were all being torn down because they were being reactionary or whatever they these people didn't have good medical care um and so what ultimately happened is they they kind of just became lost because they they are so inward focused they're so looking for their own gratification and not taking responsibility and not necessarily trying to be outward um in their in their processes right and only being only thinking inward and not really doing much to help other people and <clears throat> it has resulted in just this whole generation that's basically lost and and it's it's these are not the kinds of people like younger people in china today are embarrassed by the lost generation because they can clearly see this is not the kind of person you want to be. And I feel like that's the kind of person you inevitably become when you um, are too inward focused, when you're only thinking about getting things as opposed to giving things. And it really it can last until you get older if you let it. Uh, but you got to be really careful not to let that happen because that can, I don't know, that can just cause like huge problems for you. There's other things that are wrong with the lust generation I didn't really bring up. They Sometimes they'll... Like there, nobody really knows this in China, but there, there have been a lot of stabbings at elementary schools. It's usually people from this lost generation who go and they kill these young kids because these young kids have these iPhones and these gadgets that the older guys never had, and they feel so entitled, and so they go out and they lash out, and it's a huge problem in China. But um, I feel like it, you can become that bitter old person if you if you aren't careful and be yeah. sure, as especially as you get older, um, and you know, because a lot of people you know, don't have kids and that's fine, but find some way to be outward in your um, actions and be helping other people instead of constantly trying to force the square enixes of the world to do exactly what you want. Yeah. I think that that's, I mean, kind of um, the, the idea of, of entitlement certainly works into like the overall concept, right? I think um, so. Yeah, I think so. That, if you continue, and I think that it's just maybe maybe a, a product of arrested development. There is somewhere in your maturation process, going from teenager into adult years, where you didn't realize this, <laughs> that the world is not going to be as great and as awesome and as cool and as unique and um, as wondrous, and, and you will not be awed by things like you were when you were young. And so if you continually chase that, the amount that you'll need 
to get in order to be impressed or in order to feel that, I guess, I know. fulfillment from it yeah. just ramps out of control. It's unattainable. The, it's unattainable. Yeah. To the point where it becomes un- unattainable and you're just huh. an unhappy person. You're right? just an unhappy person who takes advantage of anything that they can get whenever they can get it. And is never truly happy with anything because nothing's, you know, it's just, it's a bad place to be. And at some point, uh, the shift needs to happen where it's like the fulfillment in life, I think, this is just my perspective on it, can come from creating experiences for others rather than seeking for unique experiences for yourself. I'm not saying that you have to totally cut it off. Again, I'm not I'm not this like total. There are spectrums to this, and there are people who are going <laughs> to fall here and here depending on their development. Hashtag not Hashtag all. Hashtag not all. <laughs> right? Like – there are spectrums to this for each individual person. Everyone's life experience is different. But I think generally speaking, there comes a point where that shift needs to happen. And, and to varying degrees, that's been happening to me all through my adulthood. Yeah. But I think I realized it kind of concretely when I saw that scene in Hawaii with the, with the, the grandparents mm. looking at the kid. And the kid was so stoked about a bird and a fish in a, in a pond. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my and, daughter. Holy cow, when she sees birds and just the moon, she looks up at the moon and she shouts, it's the moon. Like every time she <laughs> sees it, she's so stoked that it's the moon and it's always there. It's just whatever. But some sometimes it's gone for a few weeks and then it comes back and she is so, she freaking is in love with the moon. And I'm like, I don't even notice the moon anymore. Like it's, it's so fun just seeing her be excited about mundane stuff. Yeah. And I think um, Chrissy was telling me this earlier, but also someone else said it in the, in the chat earlier. Um, in a lot of ways, you take what the previous generation created for you, you analyze it, you figure it out, you learn it, and then you go forward in an attempt to make something even better or to advance that thing uh, so that it's that it's even better than, than what you had growing up, right? That's the goal. And that's how art and sciences and everything advances. That's how we keep progressing and moving forward yeah. as a people is that we take the things and we analyze the things that were really good and we see the things that didn't work and we try to just move forward and, and, and present and make the, the thing better and better and better. And if we're not enjoying what's being produced anymore, we can take those things that aren't working and, and go out and get to work and, and shift sure. our focus onto creating something better and advancing and just making it anyways. I think hmm. everyone gets the idea, but that, that yep. idea was on my mind for the last few weeks and it was something I wanted to share. Sure. And clarify that I'm not here as a fan. I'm here as a creator. And so my criticism <laughs> yeah. is that of a creator, not that of a fan sure. looking for wish fulfillment or something, right? But people who are here as a fan, <laughs> you know, that's fine too. It's just, um, it's kind of, um, well, how would you put it? Everyone's at different stages in their life, I guess. And everyone has different things they're looking forward to. And even though you you may always want to create things for other people, there's always that part of you that wants to find a new experience as well, as opposed to create one. And whenever you find it, it's always really special. It's not mm-hmm. as common, um, but you know, maybe the Final Fantasy seven remake had potential to be that one thing that the older generation could get excited about. But you know, there, there are, there are other things that um, yeah. people, you can always look for those experiences, but I think, don't prioritize that. I think prioritizing sure. creating those experiences for other people, that should be your priority. And as the other things happen, you know, with games or whatever you're into, that's super cool. That's super fun. Um, but that shouldn't be all you're yeah. focusing on. There's going to be cool stuff I haven't done before. 
that oh, yeah. I can go to, and I can still find some cool, exciting experiences in life. But like you're oh, saying, it's just. By the way, Mike, I yeah. got stoked about this. The freaking in Smash Brothers. Have you done the new update? I haven't booted it up yet. No. Oh, dude, the home run derby's back. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. Is, is uh, the people were telling me you were telling me about it last week? I think too. Okay, yeah, dude, I've but been doing it every night for the past <laughs> like week. <laughs> Sweet, <laughs> just boom, doing the home run derby over and over and over. That was so freaking fun. Such nice. good memories. I'll have to. I'll have to boot it up maybe tonight. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to move on to community stories now. I'm sending a link here to uh, Greg Tryon. Hello, Greg. What's up, dude? What's up, dude? Hey, sorry about that. Uh, I'm on my phone because my computer is not very good. So it's uh, my my basis has all the good <laughs> okay, well, equipment. This will. <laughs> it's all good, man. This will be brief, so it's all good. Okay, yeah. so, so uh, oh, sorry, real quick, just, I want to say. I, uh, the reason I follow you guys is because of the deep stuff you get into like this, uh, all the stuff today. Uh, you know, I was telling Mike, I'm not much of a gamer and yet I follow your podcast every week. <laughs> and what's really funny is last week's episode. I didn't get a chance to listen to cause I was busy doing press for the new video. I'm like, ah, whatever. I'll get to it later. I'm sure I didn't miss anything. And then this episode today, I'm like, oh geez, <laughs> what did I miss? Well, I don't know. <laughs> We you, pretty much really covered most much. of the same stuff today as we did last week. So if you if you were here yeah. today, then you pretty much got the gist of what we talked about last week. We, we just didn't Damn, say hashtag intense. not all enough. Yeah, we should have said it more. <laughs> what, did, what did you say, Greg? I said, man, that's intense. Uh, yeah. It was intense. It was intense <laughs> stuff. Okay, so I'm going to pull up your music video here um, onto the screen. So tell us a little bit about uh, the band, about Lipstick. Um, how, how did it start? How, uh, why were you guys inspired to create rock for the modern age that is inspired by the 1970s and 80s? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a really uh, weird story. And I know your podcast has been going on long, so I'm going to try to get to like the really fast version. Um, if you look at where rock music was in the 90s and early 2000s, it was the era of grunge, new metal, and emo which were largely um, very negative lyrically, sort of like very angsty, very angry, not very optimistic. And uh, the bands of the 70s and 80s were all about... Oh, shoot, did we lose it? ...with chicks. And so it's a completely completely different vibe. And uh, so I grew up in the 90s and had kind of like a depressing, dark childhood and just assumed that life was terrible and miserable and then ended up at a concert of like an older band and fell in love with that style. I'm like, there needs to be, this needs, this kind of message needs to be getting out to the public because I saw my peers were all like depressed, angsty, sad. And I felt that it was just like unhealthy, the amount of depression that was going around in pop culture. So I tried to make something that was a little bit more optimistic and harkened back to that old style. Nice. Killer, man. So, yeah, uh, I've always how, said Nirvana. Nirvana killed 80s metal. Uh, 80s yeah, metal they, was going so strong, and then Nirvana showed up, and it just killed I, it yeah, all I, and made, made everything suck. <laughs> I, I completely acknowledge that Nirvana killed hair metal. I mean, ironically, so yeah. it had uh, one of the guys in Warrant played guitar on uh, oh, the I first two that. albums. Oh, and no way. He had no idea and what he was so, doing. <laughs> but he was also in a Nirvana tribute band in the 90s to make some extra money. Oh, right. So 
uh, not only did Nirvana kill their career, but he's like, hey, I've got to make money off of Nirvana. So it's <laughs> it, it completely changed the industry. And what I tried to do with the first album was pretend that Nirvana didn't happen and where oh, a new band oh. would pick up from that year. And that album did very well. And then the second album, uh, we started playing a bunch of anime conventions and we got a little bit more theatrical, a little bit more goofy. And uh, then the, the critics hated that. They said, oh, our image was too over the top and we were too anime. So that is why this podcast is hilarious today <laughs> as we're talking about image and being too anime and what is going too colorful and too over the top. Like, all right, so you mean my second album. Got it, the one that didn't sell as well. <laughs> and so I'm just listening to this whole podcast being like, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, I got it. I got it. That's funny. So uh, tell us about this um, this uh, music video you just shot that we have on screen. By the way, I've just I've just put it the link into the chat for, for anybody. Oh, sorry. I was just saying um, I put the the music video into the chat so people can click on it. It'll be in the description on YouTube and audio only sources as well. But tell us a little bit about the creation of this music video. Uh, what was the thought process behind it? Um, you just released it this week, right? Yeah, just uh, just a few days ago. So this is actually, I think, the first promo press podcast I've done for it. I've, I've scheduled a bunch, but this is the first one that came up schedule-wise. So, the uh, like I said, the last album, uh, we thought it was going to do really well because we were playing a bunch of anime conventions, getting really big crowds, and the first album sold so well that we had a special edition made, and then that sold really well. So like, yeah, we're on the up and up. We're doing well. And so the second album we did... Um, this big production for uh, Chala Head Chala, the Dragon Ball Z theme song. In the music video, I was flying through the air. I got punched through a mountain. And uh, it didn't do nearly as well as we thought it was would. And we looked at the reviews for the album and looked at the sales for the second album. And people were like, they went too far with the bright, colorful, happy thing. We liked the first album when they were harder and edgier. And, you know, <laughs> we, we did some self-examination yeah. self and said, you know what, let's... um. Let's try a new image. Let's try a new look. Let's get a little bit back to that first album sound. And, you know, as you're talking about getting older, you know, I'm 29 years old. Uh, I'm I'm getting older. And I've been doing the rainbow lollipop jacket look for a while now. <laughs> but I wanted to have, like, some sort of time capsule, like, snapshot of me, like, wearing the leather, wearing sure. the, the sunglasses. And just, like, because it's, like, how I dress day to day. That's like just my normal clothes. And so that's why it wasn't necessarily exciting to do it in a band setting. But yeah. to have a have a time capsule of it and say, this is how I was at this age, just so I can at least like preserve it there and uh, do it for a little while. And also it's way easier to find bandmates to wear uh, a leather jacket than to wear like uh, you dress like an Egyptian sphinx. It is way easier to find guys who are willing to do that gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And okay. so that was, that was the purpose, just uh, something that, people who liked the first album who were disappointed by the second album would appreciate and just you know just a cool hard rocking video and to at least do that image at one point in my life while i'm still able to do it while i still have my hair yeah yeah good point right <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. so there's some people here talking about how they feel similarly about like how sci-fi has evolved um, it used to be more hopeful with messages from like Star Trek and stuff, and that's become super bleak. Um, this is also happening now, though, in, or it happened in the 2000s for video games. Everything was almost like monotone, desaturated, like super serious and, and heavy. Um, but but these things fluctuate. They they come and go. Yeah, right? it's like a pendulum. Now, 
Now we're seeing it all flipping into this more cartoony and bright and colourful type of like like Fortnite and a lot of those uh, types of shooters are are becoming the more popular type of thing now and people are looking back on those super bleak and serious games and being like oh that was too over the top the the market will shift back and forth between those things it feels like about every decade or two (laughs) um yeah Yeah, there's a spectrum and i think there's there's good and bad on on both sides and so, like, just because something is light and fun, I don't think that means it's bad or not worthwhile. And just because something is dark and heavy doesn't mean it's great. So, I mean, I think Xenogears is one of the most brilliant pieces of art of all time. I also like the, you know, I also like Rocky Four. So what does that say about me? <laughs> <laughs> of course. So my taste yeah, is either really great or it's I, really I terrible. The Russian. Okay. Oh, no, that one's, that one's, that one's amazing. It uh, makes you feel patriotic watching that one. <laughs> uh, Creed coming out jumping in his uh his shorts, the American flag shorts. Love it. Yep. Um okay, so we have your link to your video here. Um and so like your channel will be there. People can subscribe to you. Is there a place where maybe someone could go and, and buy the music um if they wanted to like buy an album or something? Do we can we get a link for that? Yeah, that's uh lipstickgeneration.com. So the band just changed the name to Lipstick Generation because it was hard to find us on Google and people kept uh lifted generation was the name of the fan club and people kept calling us uh, that anyway. So now we're called lifted generation. <laughs> there you go. And of course now everyone is calling us lipstick. So uh, you can't win. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's lipstickgeneration.com. Yes. And uh, the new song uh, I, I, isn't, is just going to be on streaming services. So the video's out and it should be out on streaming like next week, but uh, you can buy albums on the website uh physical copies digital you can get it on itunes whatever it's on all the streaming services you look up the band name on the thing that you want to buy music on it's there okay gotcha i'm putting the website into the chat here lipstickgeneration.com let me put it on the screen this is what it looks like got a picture of greg right there pointing at this at the camera and you've got some uh some ways to listen to it here you can support the band there um any extra thoughts uh greg on music industry or or on your music or what you guys are trying to do or whatever before we uh, wrap up for today? Uh, I guess what I would say is the industry has changed a lot since I first started doing music. Uh, The way like album sales, even in just the past 10 years have gone down drastically. And like the band has gone through some really good times and some really bad times. I would say that you know, I did this video while I was still young enough to get away with doing this kind of music well, because as you get older and older, it gets a little bit more ridiculous. You know, as you start to get a little bit fatter, as you start to lose hair, uh, you know, I've often said many times I'm a good musician, but I'm a better writer. So I Mm. too have my magnum opus fantasy epic I've been working on since age 13. Nice, nice, nice. And that will probably shift towards the priority list uh, as I get older, just as the market, you can, it's the law of diminishing returns. As I continue to get less and less album sales, you do, (laughs) you you do what works. And so I can continue making less and less money from my band, unless you wonderful people listening want to buy a CD, uh, help me buy a sandwich. It'll be appreciated. But uh, I have other things that I'm passionate about in life. I just did my first voice acting audition the other day. Uh, it turns out 
zero experience with it. I guess I'm really good at it. I'm like, oh, oh I should nice. have been doing this a long time ago because I could make way more money doing this. A lot of my voice actor friends are musicians that weren't making money and moved into voice acting. And oh, so I'm wow. like, hey, I'm doing the thing that all you guys did. Neat. I guess <laughs> like certain stereotypes like exist for a reason. So like the voice actors being musicians who weren't making money, uh, I guess I'm starting to fulfill that. Everything is dumb. The universe is dumb. Uh, <laughs> all you can do is try to laugh and do the best you can and uh, write your awesome epic fantasy book that uh, was based off the Final Fantasy you thought was coolest at age 13. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. hey, man. If Thank you, you um, Craig. Thanks for yeah, stopping if, by. If you, uh, if, if you get cast, uh, hit us up again oh, with, yes, your, with your voice acting <laughs> career, and we'll put it in the community stories again in the future. I mean, I give you guys like a community story every week. I just try not to overflow. <laughs> I'm just so busy. Hey, it's like, up yeah, to us if we do it or not. You know. yeah, I well, it's all good, man. But Yeah. Well, hey, you guys have a great one. Thank you so much. Yeah, you too. All Thanks right, for coming on, Greg. Have a good one. Later. Peace. All right, everybody. That is the end of the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. It's a long one. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate was. your support. And um, hey, man, every once in a while, you, you, you butt heads with your audience. This was one of those days, but I feel like hopefully yeah. we've come to a point of understanding. I think so. I hope we're we not, didn't offend anybody. And not, uh, not sorry each if other we did, anymore. you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, but we really do appreciate you guys. We appreciate you tuning in each week. We appreciate your, yeah, your feedback. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, we can move on to having really, really cool discussions in the future, and not uh, not get to that point where we're upset. Um, we love you guys. Yeah. Have a great remainder of your weekend, and we'll see you again soon. Peace out. Hey, peace.